want to welcome everyone today in the sanctuary. Many more are watching online today. And, uh, you know, God has just been doing some cool stuff. I started the series Thriving, not just Surviving, right? Thriving a couple weeks ago. And the Webster says thriving is what? It means to grow vigorously, to flourish, to prosper. It also means to progress toward or realize a goal despite of your circumstances. So the calling of each one of us is to progress toward the goal, toward the purpose that God has designed you and I for. You know, Steph and I went away uh, to be with our mentor, hadn't been with him in a number of years in person uh, for a week here a couple weeks ago, and really just to dive in because, you know, we want to dive in and just be realigned to make sure we're on track, to tweak, to change, to pray together, to stand, to get a voice that I believe in so much, to, to just speak into our lives. And, and man, when we came away from that, it, it just renewed us, reinvigorated us, and basically it just affirmed what, what God has been saying for the recent months. In my spirit, it's just been exploding. And what our purpose is as a church and where we're going, we know that we are what? We're our four Bs. We are a place where you belong, where you're loved and accepted as you are, not as you think you should be, where you believe in Jesus and his word, everything's built on the word, where we become who God designed us to be. He plans you. He designed you for such a time as this and for a purpose and to build, build the kingdom of God. The way we build it is what? Through making a difference. And what God has exploded in my heart and my spirit is that we are to be difference makers living the gospel every day in our ordinary lives, changing one person, one family, and one community at a time for Christ. That's, that sounds like, oh, that's a nice general statement until you try to live it. The power is not in here. The power is where you take God. Yeah, of course you're going to feel the anointing, the presence of God in here. If two or three gather and they're anointed, they can make everybody else feel pretty good. But the true power is when you take the gospel with you. And as I think about that, we go back to Acts 10, 38, where it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, what? With the Holy Spirit and power. Now, who did? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the anointed one with his anointing, what? With the Holy Spirit, the third person, the Trinity, and what? With power. Power like a dynamo to build up, to expand, to transfer power, like water and steam transfers into what? Electricity. Coal and steam transfers power into electricity. It's a, it's a transference of power. And then the second part of the Greek word for that is dynamite, to explode, to break away. So what did he do? He anointed Jesus to build up and to transfer power and to bring transformation, but also to annihilate anything in our lives that's keeping us from that mission. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. That doesn't mean you're not going to experience pain because I'm going to talk about pain here in a minute because without pain, you can't grow. The old saying, no pain, no gain, is so true. Without pain, without pressures. I was in the back, Paul and I, and 
he's one of our armor bearers of security, and Michael, and we were just talking about life and just talking about really being difference makers wherever we are, and we just started talking about some situations in our life, and, and, and you know, as the more we talk about it, the more we realize is if it hadn't been for the tough times in your life, you'd be weak. You'd be impotent, powerless. But through is what? Through is what? Through is important. Why is through important? Because when I come through an event or through something, I didn't fail, even if it's painful. I learned. I grew. If nothing else, I learned I can survive. I learned I can walk through hell with a water pistol if I need to because I'm going through. So it says, you know that God anointed Jesus with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. Then, everybody say then. Jesus went around, look at this now, doing good. Hmm. Doing good. Now, the Greek word for that is philanthropist. It means philanthropy. It means one who gives charitably to those in need. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Why? For God was with him. And, you know, we've really focused a lot over our ministry years of healing and deliverance and salvation, and that is critical. But And we have done, focused some in seasons on doing good, but we're getting ready to flip the switch. Everybody say, flip the switch. And walk in the anointing that God has for us as a house to empower one another to do good every day of our life. Well, what is doing good? Doing good is living the gospel every day in every way. Just living the gospel every day in every way. When you come into contact with people, the people you work with, the people you live around, the people in your family, your neighborhood, that is your opportunity to do what? To do good. When Pastor Steph talked about 99 cars, that's not just 99 cars. That's probably three or 400 people being ministered to because it's nine, 99 families receiving boxes of fresh groceries to feed anywhere from a week or longer the food to do, to do at least a big dinner every day for at least a week. Think about the power to impact that. What is it? That's living the gospel. What? That's making a difference. That's what doing good every day in every way. Redefining the gospel from I pray louder than you, I speak in tongues, you know, I prayed for someone and, and they, I think they got healed or yeah, they did get healed or I sowed a seed and got a big increase. No, no, no. That's all good stuff, but it's not much without doing good. Because you can pray for someone, but if you don't do good in their life and give them something to know that you care, that God cares, that someone's for them, then how is it going to impact them, right? They're going to walk, man, that guy can really pray. So what? They don't care if they're hungry. I've prayed for people, homeless people get healed, and they're like, oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, my foot's not broke. Okay, you, can you get me some food? <laughs> Doing good. And it says what? What, for God was with him. So God is with you and I. And I'm just giving you a little summation of kind of where we've been and where we're going. And, and I'm, going, I'm praying now. God has got such a vision in my heart. And you'll be hearing more about it in the coming weeks and even months. And I'm going to do, and we as a ministry team are going to do everything we can 
to empower you in every way possible to make a difference in everyone's life you come into contact with. We're going to turn the whole ministry, business, prayer, everything. into. Now, when you make a difference, they're going to get saved. When you make a difference, you're going to pray for their healing and deliverance. You're going to baptize them. When you make a difference, but I want to see you have baptisms in your neighborhood. I want to see you have a big truck, big big thing out there, maybe in a pool, or maybe you just have a big old, I don't know, feeding tub like they feed horses in. Put water. I want to see you out there baptizing people in your neighborhood. Hmm. Everybody say, make a difference. Say, make a difference every day in every way. Give Jesus a shout of praise. So that brings me to today. You're going to be hearing more about it, especially when Bill Walton comes and, and uh, Pastor Isaac comes, and I haven't even shared any of this with him, and I love doing that because then God just begins to reveal it in a, in a greater way. So the season that we are in as a, in person, as a person, as a family, as a church, as a nation, right now, everybody knows this is, this is a challenging season. This is a season that none of us have ever experienced. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's a church of 20,000 or 50,000 or a church of 50. I don't care if it's a, a, you know, a Fortune 100 company or a new upstart business. I don't care if it's a family of one or 15. No one has ever expect, experienced what we have experienced with 198 nations being shut down at times, churches being closed at times, especially not only affecting the economy, shutting things down, loss of life, but also the impact to isolate believers and to spread them. But I want to encourage you, some, the greatest revival that ever broke out was the first revival, really, or because it was so great. All the churches were in Jerusalem. They had no intention. It was Mecca, man. And then a little short guy named Saul came along and started putting them in jail, stoning them, and even imprisoning their wives and taking their children into slavery. And then they said they spread all throughout all the nations of the earth, and that's how the gospel was spread. That was the first missionary group. You see, they had a tight-knit community, but you have a tight-knit community for a purpose. And what I want you to realize is God has a purpose for your life. He didn't make you uh, as a happenstance, an afterthought, or a mistake, but he has a purpose for your life. Now, whenever we go through times like this, I'm so excited about our church because we prepared for really three, maybe four years, but definitely the last three years and didn't realize we're preparing for this pandemic. We already had Zoom. We've been doing Zoom almost four years. We, we've been empowering coaches and leaders and discipling every week. We've been uh, doing even connect groups. We've just flipped right over into Zoom calls to keep people connected. We've had opportunities. We've had growth. We've had our weekend events, our take charge events to teach you how to deal with fear and depression and all the things that you battle so you can walk in your spiritual authority, your spiritual identity. So we've been on that journey, and we're going to continue to be on that journey. We'll talk more about it here in a few moments. But what I want you to realize is you have a decision of what you're going to do with this epidemic. You are today the sum total of every decision you've ever made. And the decisions you make today will determine if you're just going to try to survive or if you're going to thrive coming through COVID. Has anybody felt some change, both good and bad, in your life since COVID? If you have, raise your hand, right? All of you out there say yes on online, right? We have, haven't we? And, and, and what I want you to realize is 
You and I are the ones that make the decision of what we're going to choose. Now, now, see, you can choose to focus. You know what we say around here, where your focus goes, your what? Energy flows. What? Your anointing, your mindset, your heart, your emotions. They flow toward whatever you give attention to. And when you give attention to something lost, broken, missing, then, then you're going to be down. You're going to be negative. Not that we don't look at those things, address them, get a strategy to deal with them, get counsel, help, but we don't stay there because faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is that we have that hope, that expectancy, right? That confident expectation Bill preaches about, what that confident expectation to see a different future, but the faith, faith is to take what you see and bring it into your now because Hebrews 1, 11, 11, 1 says what? Now faith is. Faith is not past or future. Faith is now. Everybody say now faith. So depending on what you're focusing on is going to depend on what kind of mood you're in, what kind, where you're walking in fear, whether you're walking on just getting by or not. And it can be summed up, are you going to just choose to survive the pandemic? Because you will. You'll get what you believe for. You'll get what you go through, what you are willing to go through. Now, Corey Ten Boom, uh, Ten Boom, who was an amazing uh, child of God, and, and she's a Jewish lady, and during the Holocaust uh, and the Nazi regime, when they were taking people to concentration camp, killed mil millions of Jews, families, and so on, uh, she was hiding Jews. She wasn't a Jew, but she was hiding Jews in her basement. And then finally she got caught, and she and her family were incarcerated in a, in a, in a, in a place also, and a concentration camp. And she was just trying to navigate. She didn't know Christ at the time. She was just trying to navigate this thing. Eventually she did come to Christ and wrote a great book about it, multiple books. But her sister, as her family was dying off, not all of them, some of them died, but one of her sisters was dying, her older sister. And her last words to Corey Boone said this, said, Sis, don't let this make you hate. Wow, I get cold chills. Don't let the, don't let the, you've taken our wealth, our homes, our neighbors, you've murdered them, you, you, you demonic force, you've killed them, you're killing some of my family. I probably won't make it out of here alive. Don't hate. You know what she's really saying, Gonzo? No pain, no gain. He said, well, that's a slight little thing to say, Pastor. That's a cute little thing to say. But see, that's the thing that I want you to understand. That's the truth. That's the reality here. No pain, no gain. Pain is an opportunity to grow. Pain is an opportunity to work a problem. Pain is an opportunity. You, you get promoted in, 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 the corp, in corporate America, what? By solving problems. You keep your job by solving problems. If there wasn't problems and things they needed you to take care of at work, it doesn't matter if you're, whatever your position is at work, if you weren't solving some kind of problem, filling a need, you wouldn't have a job. They wouldn't need you. So therefore, the, uh, the world has its system, which is copied by, from God. And what I want you to realize is no pain, no gain. If you will turn this pain against the enemy and turn this pain and accept it and not just say, well, I'm going to be in pain and be a martyr, you're not a martyr unless you're not breathing. And if you want to be a martyr, you're probably not going to be a martyr, right? So you're not real smart for one thing. But anyway, so not saying you weren't willing to be a martyr, but if you're like, oh, I want to be a martyr, you're probably needy. And, and you're that person that every time you come, people, ah, just a minute. I'll, oh, I got to run. 
No, it's not about being a martyr. It's about being a living saint. It's about being a son or daughter of God that we make a difference everywhere we go with everyone we touch or come into contact with. But think about the power of that. You can't think of many things that would be more tragic than what Corey Ten Boom was facing, but she took that to heart. She began to work it, and she took it to God, and she let it work on her heart, and she became a great healer and, and revelation person for the kingdom of God. So I want to ask you, what are you doing with this season? Life is seasons. You got seasons when you're a, an infant and, you know, a child and a teenager and an adult. You got an infant when you maybe you have a family and you have kids and then they got seasons and then you got grandkids and so on. Like Paul, you got great, 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 great grandkids over here. You know, he's blessed, right? And I think he's got five great greats now, don't you? Something like that. Four. He had to ask Patsy. I should have I asked the boss. I'm sorry, Patsy. I, so, so four great-great-grandchildren. And, and Paul, I know you. I've known you now for 17, 18 years. You've been through a little bit of pain in your life, haven't you? Patsy, you and Paul have been through a little bit of pain. But if you hadn't gotten through, you wouldn't know how to direct your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. If you hadn't gotten through, you wouldn't get to celebrate what you have fought and pushed to live for, right? And what I want you to realize is you always have to come to a place in your life to decide how you're going to handle any season, even if it's a season with uncertainty, a season that's unknown, a season you've never experienced or you don't understand that's painful to you. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you're in a place of isolation. You've been battling depression or falling back into some sort of addiction. Maybe, you know, you're feeling lonely. You're feeling forgotten. Some have grown through this and focused on that and some have lost weight, most have gained weight, right? We, 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 we get in these situations, and it's how will we deal with the season? But this is when growth occurs, guys. This is when your spiritual growth occurs. You've got to press in and trust God. This is when your, your emotional strength grows, when you've got to get your mind right and focus back on the Word and back on what God says about you and loving people even when they make you angry. I remember months ago, the message I gave you about politics because we thought, wow, the election would be the big deal. It's like, what, fourth, fifth down on the list. Now, you know, this month it'll be the big deal. But up to this point, just think so many things bigger than that. COVID, you know, race, racism and dealing with that situation and it's going to be continuing effort on with that, violence and all the other things and deaths and all the other properties being destroyed, just so many heartbreaking things and and we see the pain and the suffering. And we look at this, and it, it's, it's mind-blowing. And then we go, oh, now we have that election thing Pastor was talking about six months ago. When I came back into town, I said, look, here's what we got to do. Even if we disagree politically, what do we got to do? We got right. to love unconditionally, and we got to pray for unity. Even if we disagree. And you're going to have that opportunity again here. November's coming up. And I know, you know, you could be 50% of the nation is going to be crazy and 50% is going to be happy. And the problem is the devil wins. No matter who the president is, the devil's going to win if we don't change the culture. Remember what I preached to you for a couple Sundays? Not the first or second option, but the what? Third option. And the third option is you don't take sides. You take God's side. That's the side you take. And you love both sides. And you minister to both sides. That doesn't mean you don't vote and you don't take a stand and what you believe for and, 
whatever. But it also talks about that you're a healing agent, that you bring peace, that you bring faith. That's your opportunity to make a difference. I, I want to talk to my black brothers and sisters for just a moment. This wasn't in the script. I'm so proud of you. So many of you that, and I don't talk to you like you're not me because I'm not a black man. I can't speak from that a minority. I haven't been through the stuff you've been through. I don't see and face the things you face. But I want to thank you for learning. And I think Paul and I were talking about it last week. But, but you know, it, it, it's a time where it's not only a challenge for you uh, to, to, to share and to voice and to be heard and, to un, and have people come back at you, but it's also a time which is really difficult to forgive, right? So it's not just about tearing a Band-Aid like God has off and brought it to light, but even a greater challenge and a humbling thing and a hard thing for our black brothers and sisters is to forgive maybe those who's persecuted you or persecuted your family, right? It, it's kind of like a, a, a gentleman, you know, commits adultery on his wife 25 years ago. They've got kids. They've got grandkids. They stayed together. They worked it out. But every so often, she gets upset and keeps bringing it up to him, keeps bringing it up to him, and she's never truly forgiven. And she's never truly forgiven, and he keeps, I'm sorry, please, honey, forgive me. And his whole life is a life of 25 years of penance. But I want to thank our black brothers and sisters because you're turning that and saying, look, thanks for hearing me and feeling me. Let's work this out. I forgive you. Let's give a big hand clap for that. And I know that's not 100%. I mean, I know that's not 100%, but I know I see the tide turning. I see the tide turning. And, and what is that, though? None of us have ever experienced this. A lot of us white folks, we're hearing stuff that we really didn't want to hear and didn't see. But what is it? It's a time for us to heal and to forgive. And it's time for us to, to listen and feel empathy. Now, what is that? That's all part of this COVID thing, right? So, so through these painful times, when there's racial distress, what does that do? That gives us opportunity to grow as a nation to be healed in the area of racism. Pain, without pain, you don't paint. The word pain actually means accurate arrangement of things. And what happens is, that's one of the definitions of it. But, but what happens is, if I'm walking down a beach, you've heard me use this and no one's around, and I cut my foot, but I have no nerves in the bottom of my feet, and I'm just kind of into what I'm doing, and I cut my foot, I could walk a half mile mile and bleed to death and not know it. Because pain identifies an area that needs healed. And as painful as this racial issue has been all these years, it identifies a place of healing. And, and as painful as the politics is, it identifies a place of healing. So wherever you're at in your life, whether it's your family, now let's take that to you personally. Wherever you're at in your family, maybe you feel like, man, everybody's forgotten me. You know, people don't call me anymore. I don't see people at church anymore. I don't. And what happens is you can feel lonely and you can feel isolated. And you can, you know, and a lot of times people cry out, and I've had people here at the church cry, ah, you can't leave, Pastor. You know, these masks, this, that, do or don't, whatever. You know, I've never seen a little piece of cloth that has so much power, but it only has the power, and I'm not saying it's condescending, it only has this power over the week. When I'm weak, that I'm going to let it tear me up and mess my day up, whether I wear a piece of cloth or not. Right? And then again, it challenges me, am I going to judge someone else because they do or I do or I don't or they don't? We have opportunity to do what? Make a difference. 
We have an opportunity to humble ourselves. We have an opportunity to show grace. We have an opportunity what to allow pain to bring gain in relationship. It identifies things in your own heart, your own mind, that if you're feeling lonely and isolated, I'm going to talk to you here for a minute about community because that's really what I think today is about. But here's the thing. You've got to first have community with God and with the Holy Spirit. And then the next best thing that you have to have, it's part of it, is community with others. Uh, the Scriptures tells us this in, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 7. I want to talk to you for about 10 minutes here about thriving in community. Everybody say thriving in community. You online hit yes. Because here's the thing, guys, no matter how we are getting community, community is what we have to have. So verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that is all surpassing, what is the all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have, we are hard pressed. You might feel hard pressed on every side, right? But not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, I'm going to show you something maybe you haven't seen. Pastor Mark actually pointed this out to me, and I said, man, I never looked at that like that. And what he pointed out to me was so many people during the pandemic are focusing only on half of that verse. They're focused on, man, pressed on every side. I'm being pressed. I'm perplexed. I'm persecuted. I'm struck down. I just want God to get through. I just got to make it. I just got to what? Survive. But we know if that's what I'm focused on all the time, how can I have peace? How can I have joy? How can I have hunger for the Word? How can I have hunger to have fellowship and community with others if all I'm focused on is what could, might happen? That's, I think we forget to die as gain. But anyway, so people who are just half attempting to survive this pandemic versus thriving through it. So, so my mentor that we went and spent time with, we got to talking about this. Man, we had five days together. It was amazing. Pastor Steph and I with him. And he, said, he, he has this thing that he'd come up with called the compression syndrome. And he said, what's happening, I see this all the time in men of God, women of God's lives, and other people that I lead and counsel and mentor. And he said, I call it the compression syndrome. I said, well, what's a compression syndrome? He said, a compression syndrome is what? When everything you have is stripped away from you. When, 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 when your autopilot that you were living in your life is non-existent any longer. School, autopilot. Going to work every day, autopilot. Oh, going to church, autopilot. When the paradigms that you once relied on and lived by no longer exist. When the environment around you squeezed us, it's pressed us, it's compressed us until we feel like the very life has been squeezed out of us. We see that this global pandemic, right? We, we feel the squeeze. I know the first few weeks, man, I was battling it. I was angry and I was not depressed. I was just angry and not in a good place. I had to really just kind of, and still work through it because I'm a people person and I don't like, you know, all this stuff. But, but you know what? It's made me grow. And it's made me change my mindset about a lot of things and opinions. And it's helped me not to take so many things for granted that I took for granted before. So the good news is the compression syndrome is not terminal. Right? It's curable. And the way it's curable 
is when you come into community together. It's important that you have community. Even if you have a health situation and you can't be there in person, join online. Find people to talk to, people that you have relationships with. Pick up the phone or, or have a call, a Zoom call, whatever. Get with people and stay in contact with the right people. Don't get naggy Nancy or loser Lucy or dummy Johnny or whoever to, to kind of, you know, silly Billy. You know, that's not who you need to be hanging out with. Sorry if you have that name. I'm not calling you that. But, but, but what I'm saying is, you, you know, it's important. You got to be strategic to who you speak to. There's certain people in my life, mentors and stuff, and Pastor Chef knows it, and that's who I go to for certain things. That's their specialty. No one's a specialist in everything. But it's good to have four, five, six people in your life that, man, they specialize and cover the whole gamut, whether it's health, spiritual, finances, leadership, ministry, whatever it is, family, to have those kind of people in your life. So that's who you go to. You don't just spend time with anyone. But it's curable. And, and it's also what we've been talking about. It's a dangerous opportunity. The word perilous is a Chinese word when it talks about a crisis and perilous times. It's a Chinese word, and it means uh, dangerous opportunity. So this time of crisis or perilous times is an opportunity. It's a dangerous opportunity. It depends on what you do with it. I can't make you do anything with it. No one else. Your spouse can't make you. No one can make you. The government, we know they can't make you. They try, right? The church can't make you. No one can make you. You have to determine how you handle this season in your life. Now, now let's look at this when we look at half the verse we talked about, and we need to acknowledge it. We need to have strategy. How am I going to deal with it about being crushed and perplexed and all that? Because that's real, right? Is that real? Amen. So now, now let's look at it, that same passage of Scripture from the Passion Translation, and, and we'll, we'll see the other half. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. It says, We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within, so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen. That's how we make a difference, right? People see the power of the Spirit through us. As God's, not ours, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. Amen. Give God a shout for that. So what are we talking about here, guys? We're talking about the other half of that scripture, focusing on I'm, a, I'm God's treasure. I have the Holy Spirit living inside me. I, I don't always live unconditional love, but it's available to me. And, and when I repent, I can get back into the flow and love with no conditions, right? I can forgive with no conditions. I, I can do this, not through my own strength, but through the power of the Spirit in me and with me. See, a lot of people say, well, I'm, you know, I got love in my heart, but you don't have love coming out of your mouth. You don't have love through your actions. Pe people, you know, it's nice to hear what you say, but what you do speaks a lot louder than your words, right? So, so God is overflowing for my life. What means he, I'm a difference maker. I'm not crushed. I'm not quitting. So, so that's not an option. So what do we do? We're focused on this extraordinary power that's in us. And what's it do? It brings you back into alignment. In your life, you go through three different kinds of alignment. The first thing is you always want to be in alignment, spirit, soul, and body, life, family, career, ministry, right? You want alignment in each of those areas. And then you go through times, if you grow a lot, 
You ever have an awesome car, truck, or something, and you love it, and you just love it so much, you drive it so much, sooner or later it gets misaligned, right? Things start happening. It's aging. It needs some repairs. It needs some work. Then you got to go realign it. It's the same way with life. It's the same way with this, that job you believe for, that career, and now you're like, oh, Lord, if I could just get through five more years, right? It, it's not getting through five more years. It's right where you're at right now to what? It's misaligned. Get it realigned. So you go through seasons, and, and, and a lot of people get perplexed and quit and give up and live in this bad place. They live in misalignment for much of their life because they don't realize it's just a natural event. You live in an, in an earth suit on a planet, right, that God put you on to use your faith. And you're here to use your faith. And as you use your faith and live by the Spirit of God and get counsel, get in the Word, and what? Have community, not just here, but in our connect groups, on our coaching calls, you know, fellowships, people in your neighborhood, whatever. That's what keeps you in alignment. I, I got a guy that's a contractor for me right now. I'd blow you away. Uh, some things going on in his life, and he's a good guy. And he's got some issues, but he's got all this talent. So I kind of got frustrated. I had to drive to another city to meet with him. Like, man, you're not, you know, we talked about this thing about actions speak louder than words. I'm seeing a lot of words, not as much action as I did before. But he went through a crisis in his life this week, and I kind of helped him with it. And, so, and he, I'll get it right, I'll get it right. So I'm driving back to Lexington, and I'm, you know, I'm feeling like you powerless and angry and I don't have time to go deal with that now I got this and I, I got that and that was supposed to be taken care of and, I, and the Holy Spirit went you know sometimes he doesn't bother here he just goes straight to this hard head of mine and says huh making a difference huh oh <laughs> I'm like okay Lord yeah, I say unto thee, if I could get on my knees, Lord, I would, but it'd be a wreck. So I can't do that, drive my truck, but I repent right now. And it just hit me, and it's like, oh, oh, yeah. Make a difference every day in every way. Mm -hmm. Even when it hurts. Even when you feel powerless. Even when you feel used. Even when you feel disrespected. Even when you've been lied to. Cheated on and oh, that was a country song. You know, so. I can't sing, so you're safe. So, so see how it works, guys. We, without community, so I need community with people that strengthen me and encourage me. But I need community with people that I strengthen and encourage because when I give it out, I receive more of it. It's sowing and reaping. It works with money. It works with time. It works with health. It works with anything, wisdom, knowledge, anointing. The more I give others, the more God pours back into me and increases me in my voice. Amen? So we got to have community in all fashions, in all realms. And that's why it's so important for us when God gave us a revelation about clarity, growth, and vitality. And we started a couple years ago having those events, Take Charge, which is really spiritual authority or identity events. And giving you tools. Has any of you all been helped with some of those events that we did? Amen. Raise your hand now. And all of you online, say yes if you've been helped. I see some of you on there. There's Teresa and Sherry and some others. I know you all been helped. So, so what happens with that, guys, is we need it all. We need church service to come together in community, being together. Man, I would not want to miss the anointing of worship today. How about you? Was that? I mean, I just, 
Man, I just come in and like, woo, man. It, it was just in here, man. It's a boom. Everybody. Kaya and, man, and, and Caleb and, and, and Aletha, everybody, boom. It just hit, man. And man, I, I needed that today. I just really needed that today. And, 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 and if, if I wasn't here, I couldn't get that. Right? So there's times for all of it. There's times for all of it. If I wasn't joining in online, I couldn't get it. But, boy, there is also this special thing about coming together because I feel your pulling and anointing and amens. Right? So let, let me transition here. Prophet Crowd had a great saying. He said, this too shall pass concerning COVID. Right? And he says, this is not the only thing the church or people have been through, Christians, but, you know, there'll be other things. And this too shall pass. Let me give you this scripture, and then, then we'll, we'll pray. Hebrews 10, 25, out of the Passion Translation, says this. This is not a time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed a habit of doing. Hmm. Because we need each other. In fact, we could come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. What day? When you have a trial, when you have a COVID, when you have a lost life in your family, when you lose a job, when you get a bad report, a bad doctor's report, when you deal with something financially, what these events and our community, I look back here and see David, man, and the men's ministry, what he's doing with those men and the other men, how strong they are. I just look around here. I see that. I see the Clarks and what they're doing with the Connect ministry and the small group ministry. And I see Mark and all those and what they're doing with, with and Chad and those guys, what they're all doing with, with the coaching calls. And I see the children's ministries and what they're doing and youth and so on. And it's so cool. Those communities are the strongest, right? They're the strongest. So if we want to walk in it, it says, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day, what? The day dawning, whatever that day you got to face. And some have formed uh, habits during this pandemic that are good, and I formed some good and some bad habits, right? And I'm breaking the bad. If I don't, Stephanie helps me, and the Holy Ghost too. And, and so, so we're working on those habits, right? And then and we form good, and we form some bad habits. But, but here's what it gives us the answer. If you want to get realigned, right, if you feel some misalignment in one area of your life and you're okay at another, the way you do it, it gave you the solution. It says come together even more frequently. You know, the only reason anyone loses, leaves the church ever is because they don't understand or they're offended or they're hurt. They may not, some of the ones that are the loudest act like they're not hurt. It's a disagreement, but they're hurt. But if you come into community and you're transparent, you're open, healing can take place. But it's got to come into a place of connecting, talking, working things through. The same way in your job, your family, or whatever. Come together even more frequently. So, so what I see when people go through a tough time with the loss of a family member, or, or we, we see uh, 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 Pam and David handling that so well. They're here again this morning. And, and, and we see, or people lose job, or people have been betrayed in a relationship or a marriage or hurt by someone at church or whatever, they start coming less frequently. And before long, it becomes easier not to come. And before long, you get what? Disconnected. You're not connected. You're disconnected. And then you are what? You're that sheep, Jesus said, it's out by itself that the wolves are waiting on. Satan is waiting for you to get isolated. Because when you get isolated, he's going to get in your head like never before. 
When you get isolated, he's going to attack your body, your family, your kid, like never before. So it's critical that we understand we have that answer, come together more frequently, eager to encourage and urge one another onward. Uh, so listen to a TED Talk, you know, which has a lot of cool science stuff on it online. And it's like a 30-minute talk. It's all they can talk. And what was so cool was this, this blew me away. It says this, scientifically verified the fact that the number one and number two, everybody say number one and number two, factors contributing to a long life. The number one and number two factors contributing to a long life. I wish I'd put on here what didn't, how low the others were. Are number one, social integration. Number two, close relationships. Social integration, community. Oh, there it is. Okay, thank you guys for the slide up. I mean, it blows me away. Oh, staying alive. Hey, that's a Bee Gees, right? They're staying alive. Staying alive. Okay. The young kids are like, what's that? Is that a bee? What's he talking about? So, look at Number one, who would ever thought? You would have thought down here, you know, exercise, cardiac rehab, you know, the flu vaccines down there. That's all good stuff. The number one way to stay alive is social integration. Number two, close relationships. Now, quit smoking is a good thing. <laughs> number three. Uh, quit boozing. You know, if you're over-abusing it, you know, stop it. Uh, flu vaccine, that's good, right? And we go right on down through there to clean air, all that. So so what are we saying here? This is not just a spiritual principle. Isn't it funny how science, when it's honest, kind of starts lining up with the Scripture? And think about that, guys. Even biologically, you're going to live longer by coming together in community and through relationships. So if we want to thrive, then we got to get on that path of thriving. we got to choose to come together. And it's really important that we do that. Now, let me talk to you as a spiritual father for just a second, because we got something else we're going to do here. And I'm so thankful for everyone online. I'm so thankful for everyone on Zoom. Uh, but when you can come together, you need to get back in these doors. I mean, you really do. You need community. You need to be serving. You, there's someone here that maybe you can encourage and no one else can encourage. You, you really need to bring someone with you. I mean, we all know people during COVID that's what got not better but worse off in their life and their life circumstances and situations. Bring them with you. If there's a health reason you can't and they don't violate your health issue, bring them to your house. Get them together. Watch it together. But it's really critical, guys, that, that we don't allow anything. And you know what gets me, you know, we got to be real careful if I can't attend church, but I can attend Walmart. I, I can't attend a church, but I can go to the doctor's office, which is a good thing. I'm not saying don't, but there's more germs there than there is in church. You got faith to go get your medicine. Maybe you need faith. To come. I'm not saying people in here online don't have faith. Because many of them are coming to church and not, and some still, they're smart. They're, they're where they need to be because of their health condition. But I'm just saying, if it gets going to prolonged in your life, and, and, and you're not coming together like you should, you know, maybe you need to ask yourself, is this what's best for me? I mean, science says it's not good for me to extended periods of time that I'm not in community, I'm not in close relationships. I mean, I mean we can go to a birthday party but not go to church. We're going to the gas station and get a bottle of water when we're getting gas, and we can't. But I wear my mask. You can wear your mask in church. 
Now, I love the fact that we've grown twice as much online, and there's more people watching this message today than there were before COVID, probably 100% more. That's cool. But all I want you to say is don't get just caught in this bubble because I don't want to see the enemy isolate you. I want you to see you get it all. Now, some are in other states and other cities and can't be here. But when we were here, or if it's not a health situation, I'd love to see you get back in here, guys. We got space. We got room. Get back in here. Get, get filled up. Y'all want to see folks back? Amen. And a lot of these that are on here have come, and maybe there's a reason they can't be here today, or health. I know Sherry and others have health situations, and I'm glad she's on here today. So, And there's many of you on here watching today. They're on Zoom with us here today, which they're in church, right? Y'all in church hanging out. But, but all y'all others that's on here. So, so, guys, I'm just saying as a pastor, as a spiritual father, I love you so much. That, that I just don't want you to miss what, did anybody, anybody glad you came to church today? Yeah. Amen. So we're getting ready to go into the next thing because I think it's really important, guys, that we understand the power of community. One of the things that God has really challenged us with, and really thank God almost four years ago, <clears throat> create ways, create events, create tools to, get, to make you successful, to, to make you grow in your walk with God, to make you uh, prosper, be blessed, love, so you can spread the gospel. And, and we got another event coming up next weekend. And I want Pastor Mark, if he would, you want to come on up? And what? We got a video first. So we got about another 10 minutes total of everything. So just hang tight, check this out, and we're going to get ready to show you an opportunity for community coming up. 